this is it, we've arrived, we've reached the end. We're finishing up our series, Supernatural. And this summer, we've been covering the 44 miracles of Jesus. So if you've been with us, you know, and you've been reading through the, the devotional thoughts every week, the scripture every week, you will have covered the 44 miracles of Jesus, which is pretty awesome. And the thing that I love is like when you look back at all of these miracles, you see the power and the grace and the mercy and the love that Jesus has for us. And it's just good promising things for us to take away in the times in which we live, you know? And so I'm just excited that we've done this. And the thing is, I love today's miracle. Like I love today's miracle a lot. You know why? Because I love a deal. I love a deal. And this miracle today starts with the disciples getting a good deal. I love a deal. How much do I love a deal? Well, let's just put it this way. I have a car, like my car, I like big vehicles. Like it's a rather large, it's a large SUV. And like when I was looking to buy a vehicle, like I looked and I looked and I looked. This vehicle that I had took three months from the time that I drove it to the time I actually purchased it. I slow played the dealership and it's because I wanted a good deal. I mean, I'm kind of a big guy, right? I don't like to touch all four, all four walls of the car because it makes me feel like I'm riding in like a clown car, right? I'm a wild stallion. I an open field. I got to run. I love a good deal. And so I walked in, saw this vehicle, and it happened to be a Lincoln Navigator. I don't know why I put that in quotes, because people call it a luxury car. I put that in quotes. It's kind of nice. I mean, the beautiful part thing is, it's a great deal because you get to fix it with Ford parts. I love a good deal. But like, I saw this vehicle. It took me three months. And finally, the dealer called and was like, hey, come in. We want to make you an offer. I was like, make me an offer? What? They wanted to get rid of it so bad. I got a great deal. Walked in. I said, if I can get it for this. In my head, I was like, I can get it for this. I'll walk out the door today with the vehicle. And the first number they gave me was below the number I had in my head. And so what did I do? I said, hmm, you know, I think I need to go to lunch and think about this and then come back this afternoon. They were like, okay, I got it for less. I love a good deal. I love a good deal. Cheddar Scratch Kitchen. They've got a great curbside family meal. You can get 16 chicken fingers with two large sides and six of those honey butter croissants and dipping sauce for the chicken. $24.99. For six bucks a person, you can feed a family of four a scratch meal without setting foot in your kitchen. It's a great deal. I love great deals. Clothes. There are great deals on clothes right now. Look at these pants. Nine dollars. I got them at jcrew.com. Nine bucks. Now I know what you're thinking. Some people are probably like, Remington, they're red pants. Some people might think they're even pink. They're not. They're red. They're called old red. Get with it. Here's the thing. You're probably thinking, yeah, you probably should have, they probably should have paid you nine dollars to take them off their hands. I don't care. I like them. I look like I'm about to go hop on a boat. It's a great deal. I love great deals. Now I know what you're thinking. Did we just watch three MyPillow commercials in a row? No, you didn't. I just want you to know that I love a great deal. And I love this story because it starts with a great deal. You see, it's very similar to the first story that Pastor Tim talked about way back at the beginning of the Supernatural series, right? That first story, if you remember, Jesus was standing on a boat preaching to a crowd that was on the shore because they had gotten so large that they kind of forced him onto a boat because he was basically getting pushed further and further closer to the water. And he's there preaching, and when it's all said and done, he says to Simon Peter, he's like, hey, let's go out, go deeper, we're going to do some fishing. Now, Simon Peter and the disciples were like, uh, yeah, right, we've been fishing all night long and we caught nothing. Jesus is like, let's go out there. So what does he do? He says, throw your nets over there. They throw their nets over there, they pull them up, it's a load of fish, they got a good deal. And what we learned from that, like that story, is we learned about the lordship of Jesus, and we learned about how Jesus chooses us, how he challenges us, and how he changes us. He not only just changes, like, you know, our perspective on life, but he changes our passions, and he changes our purpose. That's where we began. And the 
interesting part about the beginning and the end of this series is they're very similar. Because today, right, like if we're going to wrap this all up, like we need to be reminded of why we've covered these miracles to begin with. You see, the passage today is the second great catch of fish. And this actually happens after Jesus was dead, crucified, right? Buried in the ground, resurrected. And now he's basically appearing to the disciples randomly throughout, you know, as they're going about the countryside, letting them know that he is still alive. And so here they are, right? It begins like this. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples besides the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come, they said. So they went in the boat, but they caught nothing all night long. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the, disciples, then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he'd stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples since he'd been raised from the dead. I love this story because the disciples are out there, right, all night long, and they're getting nothing. I mean, they're in darkness. They feel like they're unsuccessful. It's just a giant fail. And Jesus shows up, and they get this big deal. It's a great deal. And I love it because, like, when you sit here and you, like, look at this passage— it's super detailed. Like there's some of the most obscure and random details in this thing. And as you're reading through it, it makes you like want to pause and stop and question. And like, right, like here are these guys, right? They're in this rough spot in their life and they have this terrible night of fishing. I mean, who knows why they're out there, right? Like some believe that they were just fishing because they needed food. Other scholars believe like, hey, these guys were back at their old ways. Like, right, Jesus came, interacted with their lives. Their lives were changed. But then like after they were changed and Jesus was dead and buried, you know, when they didn't see him as often after he was resurrected, you know, he wasn't with them every moment of every day. Like they reverted to their old ways. They were back just fishing. Either way, they weren't in a good predicament. And either way, it was just an epic failure. And I mean, like when you think about it, right? Like <laughs> it's just interesting because as this is going on, like they're sitting out there, they're probably feeling like, what are we going to do next? And this guy is standing over on the shore and he's like, hey, fellas, hey, fellas you catch anything? And they're like, nope. And so he tells them, hey, throw the nets to that other side. And you have to remember, like, this isn't like, you know, like cast out the bobber with grandpa and wait till the worm gets caught and that bobber gets pulled under so you could reel it in. No, this is deadliest catch AD 33. I mean, these guys are out there sweating in the sun. Like there's choppy waves, there's storms that come up on them. I mean, it's so intense, right? Like you're reading this passage and you're like, hold on a second, Peter, he's working naked. Yeah, because it was brutal. It was hot. It was disgusting. It was sweaty. And he'd basically 
basically stripped down because it was that crazy. I don't know about you, but I probably wouldn't go fishing naked. Either way, though, like, it was brutal. And so, like, you're sitting here, you're reading this story, and there's this part of the passage that really just, like, stands out to me, and it catches me. No, it's not Peter naked, but it's this part where it says this. Then the disciple Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when I read that, it made me have to stop and think for a minute because I'm like, hold on one second. Doesn't Jesus love all of the disciples? And the answer is yes, he loved all of the disciples. But what, what's happening here is it's just this really cool way that um, John, whose testimony this whole book has been written off of and who wrote many books in the New Testament, John describes Jesus and who he is. And see, the thing is, John was described as this disciple that Jesus loved. In fact, when you look at John, oftentimes in this book, it's described as either that, or he, he describes himself as a, one of the other disciples or another disciple. He doesn't often use his name. And it's really interesting that he does that. And the reason why he does that, you know, like, is you've got all of these characters, right, that are going on. Like, you've got Peter, right? He's brash, I mean, he's crazy. He's the dude who's like fishing naked, you know? Like, he's usually gung-ho, zealous, first in, right? And then you've got James and John, right? John, who we're talking about right now, and James, his older brother, the sons of thunder. And they were called the sons of thunder because they spoke truth, like they were bold in what they did. Whereas in like Peter, you know, like he was like a crackling fire that was sparking and blazing. You know, James was like this guy who was just like this steady, hot, burning fire that was passionate about what he was doing, but he wasn't brash. And as you look at John, like throughout Jesus's ministry, you realize something about him. Like when you read what he wrote and you read what's said about him, it's this. He's defined by one word, it's love. He's defined by one word, it's love. And we see that right here because in this passage, he's described as the disciple that Jesus loved. It wasn't that John was any better than anyone else. It's that John's using this opportunity to speak to who Jesus is. You see, if you look throughout John's passages, everything that he writes later, he writes some pretty amazing things. You know, later on in 1 John, he writes, let us not simply say that we love each other. Let's actually show each other with our actions that we love each other. He says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And then he says this, and it's, a, it's so simple and it's so true. He says, God is love. You see, John, his ministry, who he was, how he carried himself was defined by love. And you know why it was defined by love? Because he understood that God coming in the form of a man as Jesus Christ is rooted in love. You see, if there's something that you can take away from this story right now, right? Like in the midst of the chaos, like right when you feel like you're a failure or you're on a choppy sea and it feels like the whole world around you is just, you know, moving 100 miles a minute and you're like, does anybody see me? Am I here by myself? What's going on? You've got Jesus, right? Jesus is ever present. He's standing on the shore of your life because he loves you. If you take anything away, anything at all from this whole series and from this message today, take that away. Jesus is ever present in your life and he loves you. You see, I love this obscure verse because it speaks to the character of John, which speaks to the character of the Father in heaven through Jesus Christ. And it's a character of love. 
And like this passage, right? It's so cool because it's set right next to Peter. And it goes on and it says this. It says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. A third time he's asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? By this time, Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Uh, uh, excuse me, you know that I love you, he said. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. You see, I mean, right, here's Simon Peter, right? This dude who literally, like, Jesus foretells his death. And Simon Peter's like, I'm going with you. That ain't happening. I'm going to fight till the end. And Jesus is like, no, you won't. You're going to deny me. You're going to deny me not once, not twice, but three times before the rooster crows. And Simon Peter's like, no, I'm not. I mean, here's the dude who Jesus was like, who do you say I am? And he's like, you're Jesus Christ, the son of God. And on that truth, Jesus says to Peter, on that truth, on that, I will build my church. That testimony that anyone who believes in their heart and professes with their mouth that it's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, on that truth, I will build my church. You see, Simon Peter was this zealot who was like, yeah, let's do it. But when the time came, he denied him not once, not twice, but three times. And you see, I think it's really important. I think this part is really important, juxtaposed against this, you know, this understanding that like God is ever-present. Jesus is ever-present in our life because he loves us. Because what we also realize is this. It's not about where you've come from. It's about where you're going. It's not about where you've come from. It's about where you're going. Because here's the thing. The love that God has for you has actually nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with his character. He is ever-present, not because, you know, anything you've done, like maybe you've gone to church your whole life. Maybe this is your first Sunday. Maybe you've followed Christ for decades. Maybe you've only followed Christ for a week. Maybe you're just trying to figure out who this Jesus guy is. You know, maybe you think you're the most vile person in the world. Maybe you have so much piety about yourself that you think you're up next for sainthood. Here's the thing, to Jesus, his love is not conditioned on any of those things. Because he doesn't care about where you've come from, he cares about where you're going. And you see, as we read this passage, like right, talking about God's ever-present love in our life, and we realize that he doesn't care about where we've come from, he cares about where we're going, we begin to realize like <laughs> what he's calling us to do. Because if you look at this passage and you really break it down, he's saying, hey, don't worry about all that stuff. Because really when he says it's not about where you come from, it's about where you're going, he's saying it's not about you, it's about me. And I'm calling you to follow me, right? Like Peter, first story back at summer, the miracle happens and he's face down on the ground and he says, you are God. And I will follow you until the ends of the earth. Now, he had a bumpy road, but in the end, he did because he realized it wasn't about Peter. It was about Jesus. You see, 
what happens if we lived in a world where it was about Jesus? You know, because what does he say, right? Like, he was very clear. He says, love me, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's pretty simple. It's rooted in love. But we get distracted. We worry about everything else that's gone on in our lives. We worry about everything in the past. We worry about where we think we're going, how we can manage, how we can control it, when in all actuality, Jesus is just saying, seek me, follow me, learn more about me, draw close to me. You see, if there's anything about the miracles of Jesus, it's that we realize it's an act of God who's intimately involved in our life. And all he's asking is for us to seek him, to follow him, and feed his sheep. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, my question for you this morning is this. It's, it's very simple. It's where we started. It's where we end. You know, it's no accident that Crossroads Community Church exists to connect people with God. And it's no accident that you hear that from us all the time. But my question for you this morning is pretty simple. I mean, you thought you were probably coming here to get a good deal. Like, you're going to sing some songs with other people. You're going to hear an inspiring message. It's probably going to give you some self-help later in the week. And then you're going to put your offering in because God's blessed you. And you're going to drop that in the bin. And that's all appreciated. And that's all valuable. And that's all real. But my question to you this morning is this. Are you following Jesus? Are you really following Jesus? Or are you just looking for a good deal? You see, are you following Jesus? Because if you are, the second question you get asked pretty quickly is, are you connecting others with him? You know, sometimes I wonder, you know, I watch what, get, which gets, what gets put out on social media. I watch what's happening in the news. I watch what people say online. And sometimes I watch as like Christians, you know, hop on board with that. And I sit there and I ask myself, I wonder if we're talking about Jesus to people as much as we're talking about this. Because we have a world that's desperate. They've got empty nets. They've had a failed night. And Jesus is out there standing on the shore saying, hey, I'm over here. I love you. Did you catch any fish? Did you catch any fish? Are you following Jesus? Are you connecting people with God? You see, I wonder what would happen if like next week there was a car sitting next to you at drive-in church that you brought a family, a friend, a neighbor. I wonder what would happen if somebody tuned in next week because you said, you need to come to Crossroads. We're starting a new series. I want you to come check it out. I think you're really gonna love it. I wonder what would happen if you tell your friends about Church in the Park that happens over in Mishawaka. Say, you should be there. It's awesome. It's a beautiful setting and God will meet you there. I wonder what would happen if you just carried on a conversation with people and you pointed them to Jesus. I mean, do you believe in miracles? Or are you just looking for a good deal? Are you following Jesus? Are you connecting people with God? Father, I ask that in this moment, you speak to our hearts. God, we lay them bare. We have empty nets. Oftentimes we have empty nets more than they're full. And God, we don't understand why. And time and time again, we're reminded that it's not about our nets. 
It's not about where we've come from. It's about where we're going. We're going to an ever-present God who loves us, not because of anything that we've done, but because of who he is. Father, I ask that in this moment you speak to each and every one of our hearts. That you would just pull everything back, drown all the noise out. And that you would speak to us. And right now in this moment, that you would ask us the question, are you following me? God, if there are people watching right now and they're saying, I don't think so. Lord, I ask that they would surrender to you. Lord, I ask that in this moment that they would lift up a prayer to you. It doesn't have to be intense. It can be very simple. God, I want to follow you with my life. Father, I ask that in this moment, if there are people who need to follow you, that that would happen right now and that their life would be changed, that the trajectory of their life would be changed and their nets would be filled. Father, I ask too that maybe there are people here who like they follow you, Lord, and they talk about you sometimes, God, but they can point others to you more than they do. God, I ask right now that you would challenge them, that you would remind them that they are an ever-present God who loves them and who loves everyone around them and that you would speak to their heart and that you would give them names of family members, friends, neighbors, co-workers, who they can invite to come and be a part of this movement to connect people with God, whose lives can be changed. Father, I ask that you put those people on their minds and that they would have a holy boldness to step out of their comfort zones and say, hey, you know what? We've got some really cool things going on at our church on Sunday mornings. You should come on over. It's pretty easy. You just show up in your car. You don't even have to talk to anybody. Though I'd love to talk with you just to catch up, see how you're doing. Father, I ask that in this moment that you would speak to those people, that you would put names on their hearts and that they would know who they can draw closer to you, Lord. God, you are an ever-present God who loves us, who does not care about where we've come from, but cares about where we're going. And Father, I ask that in this moment, you would fill our nets. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.